Well, I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped today. I am, I am overly excited because I'm going to start a little new mini-series, and I've entitled this series, Born Identity. Born Identity. Jason Bourne is the main character of a wildly successful series of movies. Uh, there have been five of them made. In fact, the first one was made in 2002, simply entitled Born Identity. That was followed by the Born Supremacy in 2004. In 2007, Born Ultimatum. Then a few years later, The Bourne Legacy was probably the worst movie of them all. But then, in 2016, they came out with the fifth movie, simply entitled Jason Bourne. The five films to date have grossed about $1.4 billion. So, I mean, this, this is a, a hot series, and man, I tell you, it's one of my, it's not only one of my favorites, but to feel on Duck Dynasty, man, if, if you remember that episode, Phil, Phil loves Jason Bourne as well. Well, who is Jason Bourne? Jason Bourne is an agent of the United States government who enlists in this super secret program. And through a series of experimental brain treatments, Bourne's former identity is completely erased and he takes on this new identity as a highly trained assassin. I mean, the guy is almost indestructible, you know? He really is. He's got eyes in the back of his head. He's as quick as a cat. He's as tough as a boot. Nobody can beat him up, man. I mean, he's like the, a man's man. He's the dude of all dudes. I wished I was Jason, but no, not really. Now, for some reason, in the very first movie, uh, Jason Bourne doesn't go through with his last assassination assignment. And then he, he goes overboard on this ship and is out in the ocean. And through an accident, he develops amnesia. So he wakes up as this highly trained killer with incredible physical and mental powers. But he doesn't know who he is. And he doesn't know why he can do so many amazing things. All he knows is that he doesn't want to keep killing enemy targets like he's done in the past. Great movie. A great movie series. But you know what? The problem facing Jason Bourne is not really unique to just Jason Bourne. Bourne didn't know who he was, and he didn't know why he acted the way he did. And, and that is a problem that is similar for many of us in the room today. We don't know who we are and, and we don't know why we act the way we act. Well, the Bible tells us this. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are born... The answer is again. We are born again. We're given a brand new life. We're given a new spiritual identity with the power to act differently. But you know, many times in the Christian life, we find ourselves acting just like we did before we came to Christ. And very often, it is because we have forgotten who we are in Christ. We have forgotten our new identity in Jesus. I want to begin this series by looking at one of the most famous examples in the Bible of a confused identity. The guy's name is Moses. Moses really illustrates perfectly for us what happens when we discover our true identity. 
Moses was the greatest leader of the Old Testament. He was the man God chose to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity, having been there for over 400 years. This is the man who was handed the Ten Commandments by God himself. This is the man who wrote the first five books of our Bible. We call it the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all written by Moses. But you know what? None of those things would have ever happened if Moses had not figured out his true identity. You know the story. Jews have been slaves in Egypt for about 400 years. They had multiplied so quickly and so much that Pharaoh became afraid that the Jews were going to revolt and take over Egypt. So he made a decree that all the baby boys of the Hebrews were to be killed. In the midst of this decree, Moses' mom and dad had Moses, had this baby. And our text is going to tell us here in a moment that they saw he was no ordinary baby. He was something special. And they could not kill him. So she hid him for three months. And after she could hide him no longer, the Bible tells us that Moses' mother weaves this basket and then she places Moses inside the basket and goes down to the Nile River and places the basket into the Nile River. Knowing full well that Pharaoh's daughter and her entourage came to the river every morning to take a bath. And sure enough, Moses was found in the basket by Pharaoh's daughter. I've got to do a little time out here and say, say to you, you know, Moses really did start out his life as a basket case. <laughs> I mean, didn't he? I mean, he was the true basket case of all basket cases. So if you ever said that about your life, my life is just a basket case, you're probably in pretty good company, all right? If you can turn out as good as Moses, you're going to be okay. So here's Pharaoh's daughter. She takes the baby home, and she pretends that this baby is her baby. But he's not. Moses was not an Egyptian baby. He was a Hebrew baby. But Pharaoh's daughter takes him home and she pretends that Moses is hers. So he's raised with Egyptian royalty in the biggest, best palace in the world at that time. Now friends, I've got to tell you, this is a story of a lost identity. This really is a story of a confused identity or a missing identity. It is the story of how Moses rediscovers who he really is and how that not only changes his life, but it changes history as well. This is a story that teaches us all kinds of lessons about what can happen to us when we discover our true identity. Now, to read a synopsis of his life, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. The story of Moses is really found in Exodus chapter 2, but Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a, a clip or a synopsis of his life. And so let's read that today. I'm going to start in verse 23. It says, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw that he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, I'm not really going to elaborate on verse 23 other than saying that is really amazing to me. And, and it makes me want to say kudo to Moses' mom and dad. They had enough guts 
to not follow the king's edict, which would have meant they killed their own son. They said, no, God's got a plan for this boy, and so we're going to break man's law to obey God's law. That was big. Huh? We can applaud them for that. Way to go, Moses, mom, and dad. All right? Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, <laughs> you got to love that. I'm reading out of the NIV. New Living Translation says, when he grew up. It's good to grow up. Some of us in this room, no. <laughs> when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose, that's a pretty good phrase, he chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Today I want us to learn four things that can happen to us when we discover our true identity. Number one, knowing our true identity demonstrates our spiritual maturity. Knowing who we are in Christ is a mark of maturity. I'm sure growing up Moses asked all the same questions that you and I have asked a dozen times like, who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Does my life really matter? What am I supposed to do with my life? You see, all of those are identity questions, and all of us ask those questions growing up. But at some point in time, we've got to stop asking the questions, and we need to figure out the answers. That's part of growing up. And so it says in verse 24, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of of Pharaoh's daughter. When Moses had grown up, he discovered his true identity. Friends, knowing our identity demonstrates maturity. It is a mark of spiritual maturity when we know who we are in Jesus Christ. When he had grown up, Moses refused to keep living a lie. He refused to keep being known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In fact, the Bible's very explicit here. It says, he refused. That means to reject, to disown, to turn away. He refused. It, really, you know what we've got here? We really do have a full-blown identity crisis here. Here's a guy who's born a Hebrew slave, but he is raised in Pharaoh's palace in the shadow of the most powerful man in the ancient world. You couldn't get further apart in terms of economic and social status between who Moses was when he was born and who he became as he was being raised in the palace. So Moses has to ask himself, really, who am I? <laughs> am I a rich Egyptian or am I a poor Jew? Am I royalty or am I a slave? Moses did have an identity crisis. And he had to make a decision. Which one am I going to be? The question is, would he keep faking it for the rest of his life? Or would he become the man God created 
him to be. Really, he only had those two choices. He could either pretend for the rest of his life that he really is Pharaoh's grandson. And if he does that, he's going to get all the benefits. He's going to get fame, fortune, a luxurious lifestyle, and a great retirement. <laughs> yeah. Everything he would ever want would be handed to him on a silver platter if he just keeps his mouth shut. If he just fakes it. On the other hand, if Moses admits who he really is, and that is the son of a Jewish slave, he's going to be poor, disgraced, kicked out of the palace, and live the rest of his life in the wilderness. Let me just stop right here and ask you. If you had to make that decision, <laughs> what would you choose? Would you fake it for the rest of your life? And be somebody that you really weren't meant to be? Or would you be who God made you to be? Well, I'm glad Moses was a man of integrity, aren't you? I'm glad Moses refused to live a lie. And so he makes a decision that changes his life forever. Can I do a quick time out and have a point of application? Yeah? Let's just see how this really lands in our lap. You know, I, I really think so much stress in our life comes when we don't really know who we are. When we don't know who we are, then we try to live up to the expectations that other people place on us, or we live our lives for the approval of other people. And the first step to become people pleasers is to forget who we are in Jesus Christ. This passage is, is very clear in teaching us that when Moses had grown up, he refused to fake his identity anymore. He no longer pretended to be who he wasn't, and he didn't try to live up to the expectation of anybody else. He was free to be who God made him to be. And isn't that what the Christian life is all about? Jesus said, I have come to set you free. And there is nothing like being free in Jesus Christ. You know what? We all face this temptation all the time. For me, it comes in, in the temptation to, you know, just to please people and to preach on subject that, that everybody likes, you know, and, and to preach on things that don't offend anybody or, you know, make, su make sure you say the right things to, to keep the people who really give the big money happy. You know? Do you think I'm tempted with that? Hmm? All preachers are. Okay? So I face temptations like that just to please other people. And you face temptations like that too. But you know what? That's not who God made us to be. God made us to please one person. And that is God. And here's what I've discovered. When I'm pleasing God, it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. Because I'm living for an audience of one. That's the mark of spiritual maturity. You've grown up and you care about God. Number two, knowing our true identity defines our responsibilities. Really, it clarifies what God expects of us, but it also clarifies what God does not expect of us. For example, I've learned that I am not a Sunday morning solo singer. 
God didn't create me to sing specials up here on the stage. God didn't create me to, to, to be an uh, Olympic sprinter either. You know, I mean, uh, he just didn't make me to do that. You know? But one day I'm going to stand before God and he's not going to judge me for gifts that he didn't give me. He's not going to evaluate my life on talents that he didn't give me. So when you discover your true identity, you begin to know what your responsibility in life is. And you also begin to know what you're not responsible for as well. I mean, that's important because it relieves a whole lot of stress. Hmm? God created you to do something, but God didn't create you to do everything. I wished I would have learned that 25 years ago, man. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. God planned all of the events around Moses' life in order to prepare Moses for one task and one task only. God wanted Moses to be the national deliverer of his people, the Hebrews. God chose Moses to set his people free. So really, everything that happened in Moses' life was designed to set him up for that one task. God did not design Moses to be an artist or an athlete or a rock star. God designed Moses to be the deliverer of his people. And that's why God calls Moses to be born a Hebrew slave. God gave Moses the parents that he did because they had the exact DNA to make Moses Moses. And when you think about that, that's pretty cool. In fact, verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 11 says, they saw that he was no ordinary child. He was special. He was one of a kind. You know, so are you. So are you. Do you know why you have your parents? Have you ever stopped to think that? Why, why do I have the parents I have? You know, I didn't choose them. And really, when you think about it, they didn't choose me either, you know? Why do we have the parents we have? Well, the only answer is this, because they had the exact DNA to make you. And really, you know what, thinking about it, I, I really believe God was more interested in making you than he was in getting them together. You're not an accident. You're here for a reason. Now, let me talk about this for a moment because I think it's important. You may have had great parents. I did. I had some awesome parents. Maybe, on the other hand, you had bad parents. Or it could be that you had indifferent parents. But you know what? They're still your parents, and God chose them to be your parents. Why? Because, again, they had the exact DNA required, and God wanted you to be here. And that's why you're here. So God planned who Moses' parents would be. He also planned that his parents wouldn't raise him. So stay with me here. Instead, God's plan was that Moses would be raised in the palace of Egypt. Now, both of those things were part of God's plan. And both of those things were to be used to prepare Moses for the task God had for him. He was to be born a Jew, but he was to be raised an Egyptian. That would make the perfect combination for the national leader that God was going to raise up. 
God orchestrated all of this. God orchestrated who Moses' parents would be, but God also orchestrated who was going to raise Moses. In light of that, let me say this. Maybe you weren't raised by your birth parents. Maybe you were raised by a stepmom or a stepdad. Maybe you don't even know your parents. Maybe you were raised by grandparents or somebody else. Friends, you need to understand, no matter who raised you, God is sovereign. And God is in control. And He can use every situation that you have been through. God chose our parents to be our parents because they have the DNA it takes to make us. But maybe for the other part, God had something else in mind for us. That's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just, it's just God's plan. And God can use anything for our good. And that's what he does. So we need to accept it. Trust God and begin discovering how he wants to use that in our life for our good and his glory. So when Moses finally learns his real identity, he immediately, and I mean immediately, knows what his purpose is in life. He can no longer ignore the cries of God's people and he accepts responsibility for who he is and what God has called him to do. Verse 25 He chose. I love that. He chose. That is, he accepted the responsibility. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Again, a point of application. Did you know if you're going to be all that God wants you to be, then you're going to have to make some choices too. And that really is what life is full of. It's it's full of choices. There are going to be some things you have to say no to. But there are also going to be some things you have to say yes to. Moses knew his purpose more clearly once he discovered who he truly was. And once we discover who we are in Christ, it clarifies the things that God wants us to do in life. The things that we are responsible for doing. That leads me to number three. Knowing our true identity decides our priorities. Look at verse 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. You see, when you know exactly who you are and what God meant you to be, then you know how to spend your money and how to spend your time and how not to spend your money and how not to spend your time. Knowing our identity helps us set our priorities. You think about Moses. He was born a Hebrew slave, but he was raised in the lap of luxury in the palace of a king. He sees all those Hebrew slaves out his window, and he sees them being beaten and being murdered and wasting away as they build those pyramids that we like to look at now. He could have said, oh, those poor Hebrews. Boy, I wish I could really do something for them, but I've got all of these duties here in the palace. I I tell you what, I'll just work within the system to try to make life easier for them. Now, he could have said something like that, but he didn't. 
You see, once Moses discovered his true identity, it changed his priorities. And all of a sudden, all of that stuff in the palace meant nothing anymore. Verse 26, he regarded. Really, that's a judgment call. It means to evaluate, to consider, to weigh everything in the balance. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than all the treasures in Egypt. In other words, once he discovered his true identity, it clarified his values. He knew what mattered most in life. So here is a question that, that begs to be asked of us today. Do you know what you value most in life? Really, what is it that you value most in life? What are the three most important values that you hold dear to your life? Could you list them? Could you prioritize them? Now, really, what's interesting is our passage shows us the world's top three priorities. And it also shows us Moses' top three priorities. And what's interesting is that some 5,000 years later, the world's top three priorities haven't changed much. The things that were important to people back in Moses' day living in Egypt are the same things that are important in our culture today. In fact, every advertisement on TV is based on one of these values. And what are they? Popularity, pleasures, and possessions. That's what they held in high esteem back then. That's what people hold in high esteem today. And the really cool thing is, when you read this passage of Scripture in this story, Moses walks away from all three of those. Moses walks away from those because he finally figures out who he is in God and what God made him to do. And he discovers who he really is. It crystallizes his priorities in life. So instead of choosing popularity, and make no mistake about it, Moses was destined for popularity. He was about to be the most popular man in all of Egypt. He walks away from that to fulfill God's purpose for his life. From being cheered in the street to being booed by the Israelites. They did boo him. (laughs) Instead of choosing to enjoy the pleasures of sin, and they were all at his disposal in Egypt, Moses decides that he's going to bend down and help the people of God. Instead of choosing possessions, Moses gave it all up for a life of simplicity. Spending the rest of his life really in the wilderness and for 40 years eating nothing but manna. (laughs) Wow. Why in the world did he do that? I think because he figured out what we need to figure out. Real peace of mind and real peace of heart comes from knowing and doing God's will. And you can't buy that. It it was amazing that Moses gave up everything that we spend our lives today trying to get. He walked away from it. What motivated him to change his priorities? Verse 26 tells us, it says, because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, write this down because this is pretty good stuff. My vision sets my values. My vision is going to set my values. 
What I look at is what I'm going to become. What I look at most is what I'm going to love the most. My vision determines my values. And Moses is a man of vision. He's not looking at the right here and the right now. He's looking ahead. He's looking ahead to his reward. So he was able to say, you know what? It really doesn't matter what granddaddy Pharaoh does to me. It doesn't matter if he even tries to kill me. It doesn't matter if the Israelites accept me or reject me. It doesn't matter if I have to spend four weeks or 40 years in the wilderness. Because my reward is not right here and it's not right now. It's to come. And guys, if I could encourage you as Christians to do one thing. Stop looking at just right now. That's so hard for us to do because we get, we get so tangled up in, in all the things that are happening to us right now. And we're so centered in what's happening in my little world right now. I'm here to inform you and remind you, this world is not our home. The Bible says we're just traveling through this world. So don't build a mansion, set up a tent. Our reward is not here. Our reward is to come. That's long-term thinking. We don't naturally think that way. But we should. And it leads me to my final point, number four. Knowing our true identity determines our destiny. Once Moses realized who he was, his life took on a whole new direction. Look at verse 27. It shows us that knowing our identity determines our destiny. It says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Moses didn't fear his supposed grandfather because he kept his eye on the one who is invisible, and that's Jesus. Notice that learning our true identity does two things for us. Number one, it gives us the courage to walk away from the past. And number two, it gives us the courage to walk into the future. First, it gives us the courage to leave our past behind us. I love the phrase in 27 that says, he left Egypt. He walked away from it. He had the courage to leave it behind. And knowing our identity in Christ is the only thing that allows us and enables us to leave our past behind. And some of you need to do that today. You need to walk away from your past. I, I don't have time to get into this today, but Egypt represents some, uh, some things in the Bible. For example, in the Bible, Egypt always represents slavery and bondage. So here's a pretty good question. What's your Egypt? Huh? What's got you enslaved? What has you under its control? What's got you stressed out today? What's your Egypt? Do you have the courage to walk away from it? You can't until you know who you are in Jesus Christ. And he'll give you boldness to walk away from your past. So Moses left Egypt because he discovered his true identity. He left it behind him. But secondly, it gives us the courage to move forward. Now, I'm going to ask this question, but don't answer me verbally because you might get it wrong, all right? But knowing who we are in Jesus gives us the courage to move forward. My question is, does this mean we can change our destiny? Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, he was just destined 
for that. He was destined for trouble. He was destined to be that kind of a person. He was destined for jail because of the way he was. You hear that? Giving our life to Jesus and changing our, our identity. I mean, does, does that mean we can change our destiny? The answer is absolutely. <laughs> yes, it can. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The past is behind you. And now you're living in the future. When we are in Christ, we get a whole new identity. That's why the Bible calls it being born again. We get a brand new life. We get a clean slate. <laughs> we can let go of the past. But we can only do that with God's help. He's the only one who can give us the courage to keep going. Notice verse 27. It says, Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He kept, right on, he kept moving towards God because his eyes were fixed on God. He persevered. He kept walking through the desert because his eyes were on God. But you know what? If you don't know who you are, I mean, if you don't know your true identity, then nine times out of ten, you're going to quit. You're not going to follow that dream. You're not going to live that life. You're not going to give God everything if you don't know who you are. But knowing your true identity gives you the persistence that will determine your destiny. Let me say it like this. You can only do the impossible when you see the invisible. You can only do the impossible when you keep your eyes on the invisible. It was impossible for Moses to free the Jews after 400 years of bondage. I mean, he had no army. He had no weapons. Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world. It was an impossible task. You know what? That's not what Moses was looking at. He wasn't looking at Pharaoh, his chariots, or his army. He was keeping his eyes on him who is invisible, and that is God. And when you do that, you can do anything, man. But let me warn you about something. Two of the easiest mistakes you can make in life are to, number one, forget your identity, that is who you are, and number two, lose your focus. That is, forget what God put you here to do. And I've seen a lot of people start out great for Christ. They start out of the, the, the block, and man, they're, they're burning it up. They're running the race. They're doing great. But then all of a sudden, they forget who they are in Christ, or they forget what they're supposed to do, and they stumble in their race. They falter in the race. Guys, let me tell you, there's too much at stake here. To be fumbling or falling or dropping the baton. So we better make sure we really know who we are. And we need to determine what is it that God put me here to do. And then get focused on doing it. Let me end with another verse from Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Here's, here's what the writer says in Hebrews 12 too. He gives this advice. Why don't you fix your eyes on Jesus? the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, 
And he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here it is. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he both started and finished the race that we're in. And not only did he start it and finish it, he won. (laughs) So let's keep our focus on him. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. The only way you can become the person God has made you to be is to give your life to Jesus. So maybe today you need to look to Jesus for the very first time. You need to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior and begin this new life in Christ. Maybe today you need to be born again. It's a very simple process. In fact, here at Kavanaugh, we say it's as simple as your ABCs. A, admit the fact that you're a sinner. B, believe only Jesus can save you and he's the only one who can. And then C, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. If you've never done that, I invite you to come in just a moment and receive Christ as your Savior. If you're here today and you're a Christian, man, just rejoice in the fact that that God made you who you are for a purpose. God, God put the DNA inside of you because he wanted you to be you, and he has something specific for you to do. Realize that you're special, that he loves you, he's got a plan for your life, and come today and say, Lord, I want to be like Moses. I want to do what you made me to do. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless during this invitation. Help our people to respond in faith. Lord, I'm excited not only for the invitation, but the baptism that is to follow. I ask, dear God, that you would bless everyone in this room right now. Call us to yourself. May people freely come and be able to pray in your presence today. And receive whatever it is that you have specifically for them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Our praise.